Welcome everyone to another podcast of Modern World Zen. This is Josh Barzell. So in this podcast, I'd like to talk about kind of an interesting idea um, that we kind of touched on a little bit with the Donald Trump podcast a few podcasts ago, but this is going to be on what I consider to be the American psychopath. And that might scare you and might freak you out a little bit to even say that. But that's what this podcast is going to be about. And by psychopath, I mean it in terms of sort of the artistic definition. I'm not talking about it in terms like we were talking about the Donald Trump podcast where psychiatrists think he's dangerous and crazy. I'm not using it in really the clinical terms because I'm not a clinician. I can't really use that. But I'm going to look at what I consider to be a weakness or mental weakness in our culture. And that's what I'm going to define as the American psychopath. And the the main idea is that where we can find that, because you say, what do you mean? You know, there's no one, no one's crazy. You're crazy. You're the only one who's crazy here, you know, if you're thinking like that. But the idea is that the the personality of an individual, it's really what I'm talking about, is not wholly exposed generally in our culture. Um, I mean, I'm not really even exposed here and talking to you. I'm behind, you know, a medium, you know, of, of a, a recording medium. But the, the idea is that we, our personalities are somewhat involved in our various clubs, our routines, uh, our professions, and we're never really fully exposed. And unless you've had psychoanalysis or you've had some degree of therapy where you're sitting across from another individual who's an expert and is able to question you and talk to you about yourself, you're never really going to be exposed in that way. And I think what happens in our culture is that the reason we don't see anything that's wrong is because I think most of the time, well, we're being good people if we're not seeing anything wrong. That's why I'm, I'm very careful to make sure that this is just kind of an, an, a podcast for entertainment purposes only. It shouldn't be taken uh, very seriously as far as the psychiatric definition of, of psychopathy. But nevertheless, we, I thought it would be interesting to do, but nevertheless, we... Um, find ourselves um, halfway into, say, a religion, but really more like a, a political stance or a profession, and we never really get exposed, or, or, or a relationship, a marriage, um, or a relationship with our children or whatever, and we never really get exposed um, to kind of who we are and have that reflected back to us. When we're deeply involved in our politics, someone could just say, oh, well, that person is just a very diehard Republican. That's all. Or someone, or say on the left, say if someone is saying, well, that person is just, you know, an extreme liberal. That's why they're acting like that, you know? And that's what we tell ourselves all the time. But what happens when you take off the exterior from that person? What happens when you take off the, the right-wing sort of talk Right? And this is what happens in psychotherapy and psychoanalysis especially. So what happens when we remove 
the um, the right-wing ideology from an individual who we've described as being fine, but really is just, you know, they're they're allowed to have their beliefs. What if we take take off that? What's underneath that? That's what I'm kind of always looking at. Um, <clears throat> and in the same way, when you have someone who's on the left, what happens when we remove the the covering of say, you know, liberalism from an individual who we think is fine, who's just liberal, say, extremely liberal. What happens when we take that off? What do we see underneath? So that's what I kind of like to talk about today. And obviously it's going to be the same kind of ideas we've done the last couple of podcasts with Donald Trump and then this idea of homelessness in Los Angeles. Um, you know, we're still looking for awakening in both of those individuals. And we're also still looking for awakening for this, you know, American psychopath, say. And um, when we take, when we look at the awakening, we're going to go a little bit beyond awakening in this podcast. But when we look at awakening, what does the awakening do? What well, leads us to a state of enlightenment, a state of absolute peace, uh, a state of peace that's not really subject to external modifications. You know, if you if you're peaceful and you go out to have lunch or dinner and something happens and you lose your peace, that's not that's not what we're talking about here. That's not enlightenment, right? Something happens that changes your your peaceful demeanor. That's not going to be a state that we're really looking for. Because why would we spend all our time meditating if if someone could just do something and we lose our peace of mind. That's not really what we're looking for. We're looking for a state that is not subject to uh, changes in an external environment or internal changes, right? Something could bubble up from your past and now you're brooding all night about, that's also not, that's still the part of sadhana. That's not the attainment. So that's what we look for when we think of wanting to have an awakening. We want to have the goal of the awakening, which is this imperturbability or this state of absolute uh, stillness and peace. So when we, when we look at what the awakening can give us, then we value the awakening. Before we probably didn't value, we probably thought, oh, it made me crazier. You know, I, I, did, a med I did some meditation, I felt even worse, you know, but if we value where the end goal can take us in meditation, then we value every step along the way, whatever thing we've had, whatever things we've had to go through along the path we value. And we also value if we back all the way up to the original awakening, we would also value that very highly too, because we know that it's part of a process that leads to something really special and really great. So, um, when we think of what consciousness is doing in the body, we start to see it in outside ourselves. We actually see it in our physical body. We see it in our senses. We see it in the objects that surround us. And we realize that consciousness is the basis of our perceptions, of what we're taking in about the world, of what we're interacting with, what we're seeing. Right now, I'm on a podcast, you're listening to me. Consciousness is the basis of your experience in listening because your senses, your sense of sound uh, from your ears is based in consciousness. So you're having a, you're still having an experience of your own consciousness listening to me 
uh, on this podcast. And I'm in the same moment having an experience of consciousness as well in my speech because I know that consciousness underlies everything I'm saying. Um, without consciousness, there would be no way for me to even speak. So um, that's how we can sort of look at it. And, um, and then, so that goes for all of the objects in our, in our life. That goes for everything that we would perceive. That goes, through, goes for all of our states and mental sort of postures that we could take on in a given in our life. All, consciousness is going to underline all of that. And so um, really we're going to see consciousness, uh, this divine consciousness, because I have to talk about it as divinity, um, because that's how it's described in the Eastern scriptures. But this divine consciousness is actually in what we are perceiving. So it's going to be in the object of perception. It's going to be in our knowledge of the object. And it's going to be in the knower of that object. Um, and it's going to have this unity uh, that we're looking for. And then, then sort of our imperfections go away. We realize, oh, we have something here. We're not just this miserable, suffering creature. We actually have this amazing thing inside of us. And um, that's what meditation can do. So when we perceive something that's untoward that might cause us fear, um, say in the example of the American psycho, you might come across someone who's very scary that to you, who's very involved in their politics, say. But in the same way, that would also be consciousness because we're not actually... Um, we're not actually changing the nature of reality when we perceive something. So if we perceive something frightening, the nature of that is still consciousness and should be seen as that. And that can give us the correct understanding because generally speaking, everything is fine until Trump tweets, say, or something happens. And in that context, we lose our equanimity, right? And that's not enlightenment when that happens. So or someone on the far left, you know, is, is raising his hand and, 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 you know, preaching from the mountaintop. And we lose it. We're like, what? Who is this guy? What's going on here? Right? So we, we can lose our peace of mind in both of those cases. And that's not what really what constitutes enlightenment. So in those cases, we have to see the underlying consciousness and wake up to this. And any friend, parent, teacher would tell us these same things. Uh, that's a lot of people are getting paid right now to decipher Trump's tweets tweets to us so that we don't, you know, have a fit, you know, when he tweets something. People are getting these are professional people, and they're telling us what's happening. You know, maybe they're not doing a good good job, and there are certainly people that are telling us that the liberals are have gone crazy, right? And these people are getting paid to do this. So, this is what people would do for us um, if we cared to have some help and trying to figure out what's going on. And in the same way, uh, a teacher or guru can tell you, hey, you know, this is just, this is just consciousness here, regardless of how you feel about it or think about it using your mind. Um, it's just consciousness. So we can feel a great sense of peace from that. Um, 
And we should also have the understanding that we're intimately connected to consciousness. It's not just this philosophical notion. We should have the medical sort of notion of consciousness where if consciousness leaves the body or if the life force leaves the body, we're dead, right? So we can have that medical knowledge as well, which is what constitutes life, a, a living body, and what constitutes a non-living body. And we can also call that consciousness. And... Um, and you know, most people think about it as a life force. Uh, it's hard to describe what it what it is, but we know that it's in our sense sense functions. We know that it's in our eyes, our tongue, our legs. We know that it makes us function in that in that way. We know that if it left the body, we we would be dead. A dead body is not walking around. So that means that we have consciousness in all of our faculties that make us you know a living being in every in every aspect of it right in all of our faculties and then when you see that then this the differences start to fade and that can be also very very peaceful so these are the kind of the things that we're looking for when we talk about you know trying to treat say an american psycho uh you know in my in my kind of artistic description of him or her right so we're looking at someone that might be weak mentally and you know these are kind of the things that can heal and fix um that kind of person um that we're defining here as an american psycho so we can go a little bit further and we will. And what we can talk about then is we can talk about when the when we have the experience of this blue pearl, which I've talked about before, what happens in that experience in meditation? Well, there is no perceiver. There's no perceived, right? There's nothing. It's just, it's nothingness, but you can't even say that there's nothing. There's no space to say we have nothing here. It's, it's, it, the, it's the experience of the self. And um, that can also be very peaceful, but we have to understand that it doesn't change when we come out of meditation. It doesn't change when we go to sleep at night. It's still there as the witnessing consciousness of dreams. It's still the witnessing consciousness of our deep sleep state. It's still there when we wake up in the morning uh, in our waking state. And we should realize that all of these states are very different from each other. Dream, deep sleep, waking, meditation, right? But nevertheless, this witnessing consciousness is still there in all of the states. And that also can give us a lot of sort of mental health for someone who might be mentally weak. This kind of understanding can make one mentally strong. Uh, and that's kind of what we should be looking for when we look to sort of treat, if you will, uh, an American psycho. And I don't recommend anyone doing that, by the way, <laughs> but uh, because I'm not a clinician, I'm not, I'm not doing that. But as far as our podcast is concerned, we can think of these types of treatments, um, these, these, these understandings that could help a mental weakness, like a psychopathy in our example, um, in our sort of artistic stance on this. Um, so then the last thing that we're going to look at is we're going to look then that what what is this idea of creation and there's many um, eastern philosophies that talk about creation one of them is vedanta 
and Vedanta talks about creation coming from God. Um, that's very similar, you know, it's similar to the to the Western uh, definition of creation. And we can look at creation arising from consciousness in this Eastern example. And, um, you know, the concept I am consciousness is also very beneficial because if the creation comes from consciousness, then it is consciousness. Um, and we can understand that consciousness creates everything. So in that concept, there's nothing different from consciousness at all, ever, ever, right? And that can be also something that helps one who could be mentally weak. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, we all have these issues. So the American psychopath is not different from me, and you shouldn't think of it, it really is different from you either, because we all have these, these, um, these weaknesses. You know, we wouldn't be, you know, we'd all be enlightened if we didn't have a little bit of these quirks uh, with our with our mental health and how we're sort of dealing with it in our various cults and politics and this and that. So um, we should see that, uh, we should see these kind of points as being very helpful for someone. Um, us, we are, we are included in that. So, um, and then basically in that context, then we have the, what happens is what arises is the perceiver. So, you know, you could be meditating and, and you could have the concept of someone seeing you in meditation. That's what we would call the perceiver. So if you're meditating and someone perceives you, that's the awareness of a perceiver arising, right? And you would be the perceived in that context. But in the same way, you would also be perceiving someone right and that someone would be the perceived so it's hard to know who the perceiver and the perceived are but in our in our meditation and in, in our philosophy we recognize that the perceiver and perceived are the same that there really isn't any difference between those two constructs because they're both arising from the consciousness the creator say um, and so we would see them as identical in that context. And when we see them as identical, that also brings great peace of mind and that can help us deal with this idea of American psychopath. And it can help us, you know, really find peace because after all, what is modern world Zen? What are these podcasts? What am I trying to say? Well, I'm trying to give a peace of mind in our modern world or a meditative mind. And, the, the, you know, my, me raising the question of an American psychopath is not going to really have that kind of modern world zen or peace of mind. Um, so with that, we'll, we'll wrap this up. And um, I would say that, you know, all of the happenings in the world can be thought of as consciousness. Even material transactions, you know, you go to the store... You buy a banana, that's still going to be, you take your wallet out, you pay, you get a receipt, you walk out, you put it in the bag, you go into your car, now you have a banana, you you know, you spend, you know, 50 cents on it or something like that, or a dollar or whatever it is, you know, you, you now are something different, 
but but in our understanding we don't consider that to be something different we consider that material exchange at the most basic level of buying a banana but you could use it for anything as still consciousness so we don't actually place any special um, you know flavor if you will on material transactions we still consider them to be consciousness and that shouldn't be too hard to understand why would why would that be you know since I'm buying something or selling something or whatever is happening here why would that somehow now take on a completely different you know it's not outside the philosophy this philosophy is ancient it's all embracing so it's also going to include our material transactions and so I want to just uh, say thank you for everyone to everyone that's listening on this podcast today and hopefully it's been enlightening for you and we will wrap this up now and um, know that you know that kind of awareness that consciousness is even pervading our material transactions should give one a lot of peace of mind should really flood the heart with peace and flood the mind with a great sense of peace and that can go a long way to helping us with this idea of Amer of an american psychopath so i just want to say thanks again to everyone who's listening uh, this has been josh barzell for modern world zen